Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I am coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of who knows where. I'm kind of stuck right now between the border of Turkey and Iraq. I am coming from Iraq. I just had an amazing time with our team crossing back into Turkey. And if you have not been to Turkey in the last couple of years, I can tell you, in my opinion, in my opinion, I've seen a decline in the level of living for the, or the standard of living and the level of standard of living for the Turkish people. Now, I don't know if that's just my perception, but um, I used to remember the Istanbul airport is pretty pristine, a pretty nice high-end airport and their airlines being pretty good airlines. And their airlines are still good. I'm still flying with Turkish Air. They're still a good airline. But I have to tell you, I feel like the quality of life in Turkey is going down. Now, I don't know if that is the result of Turkey becoming more Islamic. I, I do believe that that has something to do with it. That's, that's something that I've seen and we are uh, putting forth in Chasing Revival, the, the nine-part video series that we will be coming out with this year. I'm really excited about this. The The book was finished over Christmas. I sent it in to be uh, not edited uh, yet for grammar, but edited with our good friend Kaisa, who writes many of our articles for online. She is in the UK, and so she's going through a content edit um, to kind of look at the stuff that I've written for Chasing Revival. And she had her brother just pass away uh, quite recently, out of the blue. So this is a this is a one of the team members for B to J, a very dear sister to me from the Netherlands. Uh, currently living in the UK, has lived with her family for years. Her husband is one of the geniuses who develops all of the really cool IT things. Whenever you see us come out with a new toy that reaches unreached people, yeah, that's that's Kaiser's husband. And um, she has been phenomenal on writing many of the articles for B2J, staying on top of the Instagram. So if you follow Back to Jerusalem Instagram, you will see pictures. And we, she actually posts more pictures on Instagram than we do on Facebook or any other social media. So if you would like to see updated pictures from Back to Jerusalem, from the field on a more regular basis, then go to the Back to Jerusalem Instagram page. That is where you'll find the most pictures. Now, she only posts really what we send her from the field. Now, I know our Back to Jerusalem team in Iraq sends her pictures quite often. 
Um, but me, I'm horrible at sending her pictures. I do like a bunch on one day and then I, she, she has to, like a camel, go through the desert without water or any pictures from me for weeks at a time. I'm, I'm so inconsistent. The fact that we're able to keep up this Back to Jerusalem podcast is out of my selfish desire. It has nothing to do with me being able to keep a tempo of scheduling. It is, I have amazing things that I want to share. And so I, the only outlet that I have to kind of share these things right away is to call somebody and give a report to like Pastor Al, who runs our office in the US, or Pastor uh, Danny, who runs our office in the UK, or Pastor Scott, who runs our office. You know, these, these guys run our offices in other places, and I call and I'll give them an update. And I kind of feel like I've, I've told somebody. You know, like, have you ever, way, I'm going way, 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 way off the topic here, but just in case you haven't seen it, there's this movie, it's called um, Into the Wild or something like that, and it's about the, it's a true story based on the journal of this guy that uh, leaves college, burns his credit cards, burns his car, doesn't tell anybody where he's going, and decides to hitchhike from somewhere in the east uh, all the way to Alaska and then to live in Alaska by himself. That's kind of his dream. And then um, just before he dies, he comes to this epiphany that actually no real joy in life is ever shared unless you can share it with someone else. I thought that was amazing. It sucks to learn that before you die, but I thought that was an amazing thing that they shared in that movie that anytime and, – and, and when I look at my own life, it's, it's definitely that way. Anything that I experience that's huge, that's massive, that's exciting or that's you know sucks or it's bad or it's devastating, I have to share it with somebody. And, and I'm not even a people person. I think that's why podcasts work so well for me is I'm not a people person. So I can actually do them like over the phone or maybe with somebody with a, with an, a set agenda to kind of talk to someone, um, chit chat with strangers or people that I barely know is not my gifting. Um, if you ever see me traveling around the world, I sit on planes and even though I should be evangelistic, I know I should be ministering to people, talking to people, and sometimes I do, but barely, barely, I'd rather keep to myself. I, I, I don't talk to people in the elevator, no matter how uncomfortable the silence is. I, I don't talk to you beside my seat on the airplane. So if you're sitting beside me and you start up small talk, you'll hear, mm, mm. And, and I make it kind of clear that I would rather not. So speaking on this podcast is, is, is very therapeutic for me. And for this guy that was, you know, out in Alaska, that was even when he was all alone, he found that that was the one thing that really enhanced any joyful situation. You see a beautiful animal in the forest. You see a wonderful sunset, sunrise. You see a gorgeous mountain with a pristine lake. You have to share it with somebody. That's why Facebook, I think, is so popular as well as Instagram because people have these amazing dishes, these amazing foods. They go to these amazing places. They, they see their family, their friends. They're having this amazing time, and they want to share it with as many people as they can. And that 
is what I feel I'm able to do with this podcast, not because I am uh, systematic and doing exactly what I need to do to keep this podcast going, but because I have a desire to share what it is that I'm experiencing on the field. Does that make sense? I mean, I think everybody must have. I'm certain that I'm not the only one. Anyway, so I'm sitting here. I don't know how much time I have, but from what I'm seeing here at the border where the the cars are basically lined up trying to get back into Turkey, I'm thinking that I have a while. And I have to say the level of getting – because for those of you that are not aware – the airport in Arbil, the main airport for northern Iraq, uh, northern Kurdistan region of Iraq, has been occupied by the Iraqi military, and it's not open for um, outside nations to use. Now, you can fly back and forth to Baghdad, but that's it. That's the only airport you're able to fly into from Arbil. <clears throat> there are rumors that that is supposed to change. And we need prayer for that because we need our bill airport to be opened. Okay, so back to uh, Turkey. Right now, I believe that Turkey is going downhill economically. Now, I believe that that is a part of the stronger Islamic influence in Turkey than Turkey has ever seen. Also, stronger influence from communist nations and them joining together with communist nations like China and Russia, which is good for Back to Jerusalem, for the Back to Jerusalem missionaries to have that open road with more nations in between China and Jerusalem. But Turkey is going downhill. Now, with their growth in Christianity, I'm not certain about that. I have talked to a few of my friends that have been working and living in Turkey, and so far I haven't seen anything explosive about the number of people coming to Christ inside of Turkey, except for those that are coming from other nations looking for refugee status in Turkey, but not so they can stay in Turkey, but so that they can pass on to Europe. Turkey is kind of that connection to Europe. I mean, it is Istanbul is the only city in all of the world that straddles two continents. So you're on the continent of Asia and the continent of Europe at the same time. So a lot of people want to use that land bridge to be able to get from um, Asian Turkey that's connected with the Middle East into the European nations. And so the quality of life could be going down because of the strong influence or the rising influence of Islamic leadership, or it could be going down because of the influx of massive migrants, which has been taking place now since 2014, really. And since the Arab Spring really kind of brought about a wave of migrants, which I would like to talk about in another podcast. But for now... Uh, let me uh, let me go on to what I have here in the car with some notes that I've written about uh, Iraq. When it comes to Iraq, I've just come from meeting with our team, and that's what I want to do on this podcast. I want to give you an update on what's taking place in Iraq. I know that many churches in America and Europe have supported our efforts in Iraq. I know that many people from around the world, including uh, Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, that have donated online for our Iraqi efforts. I want to give you an update. For Iraq, the Chinese team that is working there has been doing 
phenomenal. Things, uh, even though the airport is closed down and it's more difficult to get into Iraq than it was before because now you have to go through Turkey and uh, for me to get a visa into Turkey wasn't that easy. I, I, I came in um, the beginning of December, but I was stopped at the gate of the Turkish Airlines um, in Germany. I was boarding the flight in Germany. Uh, they stopped me at the gate as I was giving them my boarding pass and would not let me get on the plane because I did not have a visa. The visa situation had only changed two weeks prior before my flight and I was not aware of it. So I was not able to go in December, had to change my flight to this month in January and go through Turkey. So you have to go from Turkey. I flew to Batman. Yes, <laughs> I flew to Batman. There's a city in Turkey called Batman that I flew to, um, stayed one night in a hotel and then drove three hours to the border, crossed uh, yesterday, met with our, or the day before yesterday, met with our team and then stayed for one full day, part of today. And then I'm leaving back across the border this morning. And I had to leave quite early before my flight, um, leaving out of a, a smaller city, not Batman. So I flew into Batman, but I'm flying out of a, of another city, um, that is just, uh, much, much closer across the border from Iraq. But, when I came into Iraq, I was thinking that things were going to be horrible, much, much, much worse. And I just want to let you know that for those of you that have praying, been praying for Iraq, in my opinion, things are getting better. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are problems. Yes, it is more difficult because the Arbil airport has been shut down. Yes, it would be great if the Iraqi military left Arbil and Kurdistan and the Western people around the world stood in solidarity with the Kurdish people since the Kurdish people have really been the key element to defeat ISIS. Without, without the Kurds, I don't think anybody would have had the guts to take on ISIS and, and beat down ISIS like the Kurds did in a time when the world community basically abandoned that part of the Middle East. That is something that we need to own up to is that the rest of the world basically abandoned Iraq and left them to themselves and Syria. And for, and for many debatable reasons. I mean, the, the reasons were with, were, were not without, uh, uh, passion. People saying that, you know, there, there's been a lot of bloodshed from Western soldiers and by Western soldiers and to Western soldiers in Iraq and as well as Syria. There's been a lot of bloodshed because of Iraq. But you have um, uh, this this fatigue, this battle fatigue that took place in the West in the West. And I and I talked about it extensively on our podcast over the last couple of years, how there was very little almost silence from the West when it came to fighting ISIS, which started off as a thug group with very little numbers, very little support, and could have been easily, if not defeated and, and destroyed, stopped from taking over huge areas of land. I mean, it was ridiculous, but they did. And now think about this. Since 2012... We're now in 2018. For the last, for five years later, till 2017, Syria and Iraq was held by ISIS for almost five years. And the people's suffering was 
unexplainable. It, I am not even now after writing two books, writing one about ISIS and writing one about the suffering, spending the last five years working intimately in the area of Syria and Iraq, spending since 2012 trying to help those that have been hit the hardest by ISIS. I still can't put into words in a way that adequately describes what took place there. Now, just think about this for a minute. For five years until 2017, ISIS reigned supreme and struck fear into the hearts of people around the West. 2016, ISIS was a huge problem. Huge problem. Now, in 2012 and 2013, the U.S. president referred to them as the JV squad. For those of you that are not familiar with American basketball, Varsity, when you're in high school and college, is the top league. JV, JV, junior varsity, is for those that could not get into the varsity team. They are the, the amateur group. So they were written off by the American administration as being the JV team. Okay, for a JV team, they controlled huge amounts of land and struck terror into the hearts of places around the world. Paris, London, America. Scandinavia. We saw attacks, knifing attacks in, in Helsinki in the name of ISIS, attacks in Italy. And then, of course, the massive bloodshed that took place in Africa, the Middle East, in Asia, in the Philippines. Every continent basically was hit by ISIS, including Australia, New Zealand, hit by ISIS attacks or ISIS-inspired attacks. That was up until 2016. Now, just think about the world in 2016 as it relates to ISIS and the suffering that took place into Iraq, which is where I'm going. I want to tell you and give you an update. I think a lot of people that write on Facebook sometimes get annoyed because I don't get to the point. I save the point to the end. Well, I want you to stay and listen to what is taking place that leads to the testimonies that I usually share at the end. The information that I usually share at the end. These little, small, granule nuggets of whatever. You can call them gold. I wouldn't call them gold. I'd call them mixed copper, maybe. Um, these, these, these nuggets that I save to the end... Um, I, I don't often, I don't do that because I'm, I'm, I, it's a, it's a strategy or a ploy. I do it because I try to set the stage of what it took to get there. And as I'm going to be giving you the information for Iraq and how I believe things are getting better, I have to set the stage on if people say that, no, it's actually getting worse. Before you say it's getting worse, let me take you back to 2016 because I believe that it's getting better. Oh, my car just moved. I'm, I'm moving up in line. Thank goodness. I'm hoping to cross. And so if I, I might have to do this podcast, I hope I have to do this podcast in two segments so I can actually cross the border and then continue recording on the other side into Turkey. But in 2016, we had huge issues with ISIS all over the world. In 2017, in less than a year, we're now in 2018. In 2017, ISIS was rounded up and, and pretty much destroyed. Now, there are pockets of ISIS, as there will be pockets of terrorists all over. And we reported about al-Baghdadi being killed by Russia, which is still Russia's stance. 
and nobody else in the world is really reporting that. But I am intrigued that we haven't really seen any strong evidence of al-Baghdadi living since Russia said that they killed al-Baghdadi in Syria. Now, there are um, reportings that the latest recordings have come out from him, but there's not really any signs that I saw or could point to that he's still alive. So he may very well, in fact, be dead. So we're talking about a dead al-Baghdadi, possibly, and if he's not dead, he's so deep buried in a hole somewhere in the earth that nobody's hearing from him. He's, he's an ineffective leader. At best, he's an ineffective leader alive. At worst, he's a ineffective leader dead, which is basically an ineffective leader unless you're in North Korea. A dead leader is really no leader except for the symbolism of martyrdom. But in, two, in 2016, by the way, we were still dealing with the world's largest uh, refugee crisis. Can, do you remember the, the tens of thousands of people that were dying on boats in 2014, 15, and 16? Dying at borders. Fences had to go up. Uh, Europe opened, opened with, received the refugees with open arms. And then had to retract that open arm because the, the, the result that they got, because they were receiving refugees from the Middle East because of the crisis with ISIS. But when they opened up their arms and they, re, they started to see refugees that saw it as an open invitation to come in from Africa and other parts of the Middle East and Asia, when the real focus of the open arm um, invitation from Europe was to extend to those that were suffering in a war zone, not for those that were suffering in a political um, – in, in a downturn economic climate or a suffering economic climate, which is what ended up happening. A lot of refugees coming from all over. By the way, you'll remember that I was talking about refugees in 2016 – Double suffering, suffering because they were being targeted by ISIS. And then as they ran and found refuge in the UN camps, they were targeted again by the UN camps that were being run by Muslims that were persecuting Christians within the camps. And then they were being persecuted again. Because if they put in their application as Christians, they were basically put back to the end of the line because the Muslim um, men that were running the um, refugee status were giving preference to Muslim refugees. And so Muslim refugees that were going to Australia, Europe, and America were, were actually those that were being selected by uh, the UN Human Rights Commission, which was run by Muslims. And Muslims were persecuting Christians and not selecting Christians, which were Christians and Yazidis were the main focus of the genocide. And it was a genocide uh, that took place in Syria and Iraq. Well, just one of the ways that things have gotten better is, one, ISIS has been defeated. Two, I don't know how many of you have been watching the news, but the United, the United States basically pulled a lot of their funding from the United Nations, which I applaud for some of the things that they were doing. It's basically been and, – and, and as we've been doing our, our interviews together with Miles Weiss um, and uh, our, our good rabbi friend, he was talking about how basically the United Nations has become one of the most anti-Semitic bodies in the world. 
but uh, the the United States pulled a lot of their funding from the UN and began to funnel it and channel it. Uh, Mike Pence has been leading this charge. Vice President of the United States, Vice President Mike Pence, has been leading a charge. Refocusing $420 million of what's called money for the funding facility for stabilization of Iraq. The FFSI. This FFSI funding facility for stabilization of Iraq, $420 million, is being rerouted to, directly to Iraq to allow Christians and Yazidis to expedite their, uh, process of becoming refugees in a safe nation. Now, it's a little bit too late, to be honest, but at least it's there now. So that is another way. So ISIS has been defeated. Uh, Christians and Yazidis now have a, a partner in the White House with Mike Pence. And that is creating a completely different environment for them. And now down, that's more on the macro level, on the micro level. We have our safe house that we've been funding now for a while that is helping young ladies. There's a lady from Sweden there that she's been providing counseling as well as job training uh, for the ladies on a daily basis there at the safe house. It's still not up and going uh, in the way that we have desired, but we're closer now than ever and we're still making a difference for the refugees that still remain in that area where we are serving. More than that, our farms providing sustainable food is going better than ever. Holy cow. Five of our aquaponics machines were up, going, and were ripping and roaring while I was there. It was phenomenal. We have, I think, something like 400 fish. Not a lot for our small little aquaponic system, but it's, 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 it's growing because, you know, as you know, our Chinese teams have had to do rotations where we get a farm up and going and then they're kicked out and then they bring in another team, get another farm up and going and then they're kicked out. And when I say kicked out, it means that the, the situation has changed. Our first team that went in, went into Iraq with Iraqi visas because it was Iraq. That was in 2012. Well, 2013, 2014, our teams had to turn around and leave. Because they did not have proper visas. Kurdistan wanted them to have Kurdish visas, which we had never seen. Finally, we were able to meet the law and get Kurdish visas. And now the team that's there are the ones that have Kurdish visas. And we had more people that were supposed to go and join them. But then in October of last year, they shut down the airport to Arbil. And we haven't been able to get a team through Turkey since then. But our Chinese team is still there working in Iraq, um, doing planting the food and, and providing wholesome, good, organic food to the people in the village where we're serving. This is a renewable food source that we don't have to buy every single time we want to bring in food. Like we did in September, we did this big feeding program where we had to go and buy the food that had to be delivered, shipped. We bought it, we purchased it, brought it in on trucks, unloaded it, and then delivered it throughout the, the to the villagers that were in the village. Now we are able to grow our own food and we plan to continue growing that. We looked at um, about a couple hundred acres um, in Iraq of land that we could buy where the Chinese would be able to run those those farms and provide food for the locals. 
Um, right now, the aquaponics with the fish and the, the, the crops that are growing, heads of cabbage bigger than my own head. Huge um, white Chinese radishes. Um, we were able to eat some of these vegetables while we were there, and it was, it was a great, great time. I was so moved, so blown away. Continue praying for the Chinese. Now, we have an American team that's there as well, and I want to give you just a little bit of an update on them because this applies to you as the listener. And I know that I've gone a little bit long on this podcast, and I want to kind of wrap it up. But I just want to let you know exactly what I think is exciting is exciting about what's taking place. One is that there are, it seems that there are fewer people that need immediate help than there was before. And in that way, we are making progress. I was not able to meet with our dear friend who runs a dream center there. We now have a dream center that we've been supporting, have an amazing lady, um, a, a former uh, U.S. congressional contestant from Minnesota that is running this dream center in Iraq that we've been very much a part of. She is working with people uh, on a daily basis, working with their language development and also their 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 spiritual development. She has been phenomenal. But the American team that we have been working with from our uh, headquarter base area in the United States, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, there, there's a wonderful family that has moved into Iraq and is serving in Iraq. And what they have done is they've started a program working together with many of the women who were hit hardest by the impact of ISIS. These are women that were forced into slavery. These were women that were forced to leave their homes and and go to foreign areas and live in refugee camps. Uh, now they are completely exposed to the environment of um, northern cities that they that are not their home. They had to leave everything, all of their belongings behind. What we are doing now is we have started a program. Do you, for any of you that have been on our tour, following back to Jerusalem, you will know that we have what's called a back to Jerusalem prayer bear. And if you've been to our meetings, those prayer bears have been really focused on children so that children can get one of those prayer bears and take one of them home, put them on their bed. And every night before they go to sleep, we pray that the panda will remind them to pray for the Back to Jerusalem missionaries on the field. So as soon as they see it, they identify it with Back to Jerusalem missionaries, this this panda, this Back to Jerusalem prayer bear. Well, we've been making those prayer bears in China. And sending them to the U.S. and uh, different parts of Europe and then making them available on our tours. Now, we are going to implement prayer bears that are handmade in Iraq by many of these refugee women. So these refugee women have come together working with the U.S. team that is representing back to Jerusalem, and they're making these prayer bears, and we're going to start making these prayer bears available on tours. We might make a few of them available to our um, key supporters who have been our gatekeepers for the last year, and we we really appreciate this solidarity that the gatekeepers have taken with Back to Jerusalem, joining hands together. If you're not a gatekeeper, let me ask that you pray about joining together with us because what gatekeepers allow us to do is to support projects right away without making appeals or not having to wait on appeals. So for instance, uh, last month when we had the huge earthquake in Iran, we needed money right away. 
Well, before we were even able to get up the very first words on our website or on social media to let people know that we needed money for this purpose, we were able to take funding that was coming from gatekeepers already and tell people in Iran that, dude, even if another penny does not come in from these fundraising efforts, we have gatekeeper funding that we can send directly to you right now. And that's what we did. We were able to get in about 30,000 US dollars into Iran within a matter of hours after the earthquake and provide immediate disaster relief because we had the budgeting that we could put together from gatekeepers. So if you're a gatekeeper, thank you so much. If you're not a gatekeeper, please pray about joining together with us. And so these prayer bears that are being made in Iraq the very first people that we're going to make sure gets one of these prayer bears. Now, these prayer bears may not have the factory look of the prayer bears that we've had in the past, but they are cute and they will remind you to pray. And more than anything, they're these hand-knit pandas that have been made by the hands of somebody who desperately needs employment. So by purchasing one of these prayer bears by using one of these prayer bears uh, that we're, we're bringing out on tour together with our children's books, you're actually supporting um, a young lady in Iraq that has been hit hard by the situation in Iraq. And she is now able to have a skill of doing knitting. So our team is training these young ladies on how to do the knitting. Um, they're training them how to run these small cottage enterprises from their home and, and how to run these small businesses. Now we're hoping that this will elevate to something more, that we will be able to make more things that might become more marketable. Right now, we have many characters within our children's books, within the children's book series, that we would like to provide each one of those characters to children that really enjoy the series of these children's books. By the way, our next children's book will be out uh, for Easter of this year. It is a, a resurrection story for your child that I believe your family will be blessed by. It'll be the second book in our series of children's books. Uh, we have three coming out this year. One will come out in the spring during Easter. One will come out during the summer, during slow time for anybody that's involved in the ministry. And then we have one that's coming out for Christmas. The one that's coming out for Christmas will be an amazing story about Brother Yun's first Christmas in prison. So that will be a, our children's book made available for um, Back to Jerusalem for the Christmas time. Now that's a part of our um, series where Fufu, the panda, is also our prayer bear that we're making. So these pandas that we're making is actually Fufu. And you can purchase them online maybe sometime later on this year. But in during the spring tour that we're going to be doing together with Brother Yun, which will be taking place in March, both in Canada and in the U.S., we are going to introduce these pandas that come from Iraq. We're going to make them available to people on the tour. We're going to try to make them available to our gatekeepers. I know that we have an order that we've already put out for the first 100. We'll see how that goes. And then if the 100 goes well, then what we'll do is we'll grow that into more pandas for more women to be employed to run the cottage industry directly from their home, making these pandas and providing them to our prayer partners. 
And then it gives us an opportunity to build a relationship with them and share the gospel with them. I don't know. I think that I'm seeing some very positive signs in Iraq. Iraq is not in the same situation that it was last year or the year before. Definitely not in 2016. 2018, I believe, is going to be a great year for northern Iraq. I believe that we're going to see more churches grow. We're going to see more people come to Christ. We are still supporting about eight churches that are all former Muslims that are coming together in small little groups in northern Iraq uh, together with a local Christian pastor there in the Kurdistan region. Continue to pray for Iraq. Continue to pray for our Back to Jerusalem missionaries that are serving there. And I pray that some of the material that you that you heard in this podcast will inspire you. And maybe you can share it with your friends, uh, your church, your Bible study about what's taking place. Not just with big mission organizations, because that's not what Back to Jerusalem is. Back to Jerusalem. The, 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 our mission organization is supporting the Chinese that are there in this these areas. But they're not our missionaries. They come from their church in China, which I believe is exciting. So we are partnering together with them. We are financially supporting them, standing beside them, but they do not work for us. They are not our missionaries. They are our partners serving their churches from China in Iraq. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere in the middle of... Iraq and Syria. I hope my car goes across at some point in the future. God bless you.